what we're building was so fundamentally different in terms of tech and the way it works and the way the user navigates in the software. Um, not in the core idea, the, the very core idea of web stories as a format remained the same, but pretty much everything around it changed. And Was it a rebrand also kind of redo of your product idea? So is it like a complete piece? This is a really good time to um, leave the past behind us, uh, indicate at the same time, you know, to, the, to our clients and to the future um, that this is a huge change, that this is something that we really uh, take serious and that we have really taken huge efforts here to, to um, yeah, provide the best tool out there. First fuck up, uh, I mentioned briefly before, you know, we, we decided to build our first product uh, as a desktop version. In hindsight, this was a terrible decision and cost us a lot of money. Bot Talk Podcast. Philip, hi, uh, nice to have you on our podcast. Uh, Philip is a founder of Zazu. Uh, Forbes 30 under 30 I'm reading on LinkedIn and overall uh, you have a really uh, huge history of uh, founding uh, startups I think a serial entrepreneur uh, it will great it will be great to talk about um, Zazu and um, the idea and uh, maybe your background maybe first of all introduce yourself and kind of a small background of who you are when you came um, to, to this uh, idea of Zazu and what it is yeah, sure. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to uh, exchange thoughts with you and talk a little bit about about uh, my learnings, my journey, and uh, maybe what I did right and what I did wrong, especially. Uh, if that helps anyone, I'm happy. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Philip. I'm the co-founder of uh, Zazu, previously known as Cutnut. Um, we actually had also just last year a rebranding as part of our journey, um, which was very challenging in itself. Um, my background um is a bit more business focused uh, business and strategy focused so i did a bachelor's degree in business in spain and then i um, worked a bit as a consultant for kpmg as well and did some consulting efforts um and then ultimately well i found it uh, well now zazu um as as, as my uh, passion project back then and now as actual company um really happy with the journey that we've taken um and uh, Basically, what we do here at Zazu is we um, try to find the sweet spot between Instagram stories as a format and Google SEO, so search engine optimizations. And we do that by providing a format that is called Web Stories. That's exactly how it sounds like. It's basically Instagram stories for the web um, that allow you to index your content in Google search results. So what, why do we do this? Because we believe that the format stories uh, is a mobile first format that is incredibly uh, appealing to younger audiences and older audiences alike. It's very simple to understand. It's grown to be one of the most successful formats on social media. And um, we're helping companies now establish this success of this format outside of their social media boundaries. So their own website on uh, their uh, newsletter and mobile apps, anywhere really where they're wanting to uh, display immersive content. And um, the beauty of this is, again, not only are we visualizing the content for them with the editor that we provide, but um, this content is also helping them actually improve their search results and help to generate new traffic through search engines like Google. And um, yeah, maybe to round it off, uh, we've been around for quite some while. As I mentioned before, it was called Cutnut. Um, we've had this rebranding now and um, it's, it's overall 
Uh, as with most startups, I, I would say almost as with any startup, it's a journey up and down. Obviously, there's a lot of amazing achievements that you portray outwards, and then the, there is uh, a lot of failures and, and struggles that you might not as uh, uh, obviously show to everybody else, uh, but that are definitely there. And I would say they also outweigh to a large degree um, some of the beautiful things that the, the public sees, but uh, nonetheless, a journey that I would recommend to anybody. And uh, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing journey as you probably yourself can tell. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, we'll dive into, uh, into that and maybe some ups and downs. Uh, before that, I just want to ask some general question about the product to understand. Who is your ideal customer? Who is your, uh, so basically who is paying you money to, uh, to use uh, what exactly? Yeah, um, so expanding a bit on what I just said, um, essentially what we are offering is in like, like from a service perspective is this web story format, but the, the, the actual product Zazoo is a story editor. So it's a website, it's an application where you can then design and create your own stories. You can you know insert your own images, pictures, you can customize fonts, save templates, work in teams, um, build beautiful carousels of stories that you can portray into different platforms, all from within our app. And one of the key points that really makes us stand out is that you can automate a lot of this uh, with Zazu. So basically, we take all the work from you and we help you to generate this content automatically and in an instance. And uh, currently, we're working a lot with publishers. So. Uh, uh, for example, with NOZ or the MindPost or Süddeutsche uh, Zeitung, just to name a few here in Germany, um, are some of the key customers that we have just because um, it's a very good target group for us since, um, you know, stories work especially well when there's daily updates, when there's a lot of content that has to be, or uh, well, deserves to be shown, um, especially if it's in a visual uh, format, so very uh, image heavy and video heavy. And so that's why we've been uh, prominently working with publishers um, in, in the European area, but actually, as a matter of fact, as we're speaking, we're also now branching out to other areas. So notably e-commerce section is uh, something very interesting to us because uh, I briefly mentioned it before, these web stories are very interactive. So that means there's a lot of opportunities for e-commerce and, and, and uh, yeah, other brands to um, engage with their customers, not only through stuff like polls or quizzes that you might know from Instagram, but also through shopping tags where you can directly advertise products through um, calls for newsletter subscriptions and many other engaging features that really uh, help brands, you know, establish a close relationship with their customers. Um, but yeah, most notably right now it's uh, news publishers and uh, hopefully soon we will also be able to expand much more heavily into the e-commerce uh, sector. Brilliant, brilliant. And in terms of team, uh, how 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 big big is the team? Maybe you can elaborate on that. Yeah, so we're roughly eight people. Um, we have a quite interesting dynamic in the sense that we have not everybody's working directly with us. Some of them are working remote. Um, and so what we're doing is we're trying to make it as as obviously as open as possible. So we have partners. Um, um, that we work with um, that are helping us build this company where we have a lot of tech expertise, a lot of experience sitting. And um, the beauty of that is for us to, you know, easily scale up and down our efforts as we need it. Uh, sometimes there's huge demand. Um, um, you know, there's projects like EU projects like Stadium that might uh, require much more demand. Um, there's other times where we might want to scale down a bit because our front end part is maybe already a bit further developed than the actual back end or other way around. And so, the flexibility is something that we value highly. Um, but yeah, otherwise we have, of course, a couple of people here in Hamburg and then the rest is, is remote. Oh, great, great. 
Um, I think um, it'll be interesting to dive in, into the reasons uh, of why did you rebrand? Because that's something that we touched upon in the previous episodes and there will be a perfect kind of uh, um, com um, maybe a view from, uh, from your perspective. Uh, and uh, maybe what is more interesting for me to understand was it a rebrand also kind of redo of your product idea? So is it like a complete pivot that you did? Or, you know, what, what, what was behind it? Yeah, so it was not an easy decision. Um, we, we thought a long time and a lot about it. Um, essentially, it boiled down to a bit of what you said as well. Um, we uh, raised the funding round uh, in early 20. 21 and um, what we realized then is that there was a lot of work to do on a tech stack that we had with the existing application a lot of things that had to be overhauled and um, with all this fresh capital and the resources what we decided to do is then really challenge our product completely from the ground up you know we looked at all the competitors we looked at where we are lacking clearly we looked at all the client feedback we looked at how they do things how they set up scalable processes we brought out external uh, experts to help us uh, envision a, a clear user experience and um, at some point we realized that there's such a big uh, well change happening in the company so um, what we've been then building you know with Zazu at, at the point we didn't know yet that it was called Zazu and that we were doing this rebrand but what we were building was so fundamentally different in terms of tech and the way it works and the way the user navigates in software um, not in the core idea, the, the very core idea of web stories as a format remained the same, but pretty much everything around it changed. And um, alongside those changes, you know, there's been a lot of team changes as well uh, over the last year. And um, the name of Katnad actually was from a constant past at that point. And we realized, okay, well, this is not just an update that we ship to the clients and say like, hey, by the way, now it's, uh, it's a little update and this is how it looks now. It was a complete interface change. It was a complete tech change. It was a complete uh, um, team change. And also on the legal level, and like our, our company structure was, was slightly changed. And so we, this, we figured this was a really good time to um, leave the past behind us, uh, indicate at the same time you know, to, the, to our clients and to the future um, that this is a huge change, that this is something that we really uh, take serious and that we have really taken huge efforts here to, to um, yeah, provide the best tool out there and um, that what we're doing here has significant impact on, on our tool and, and, and what we offer to our clients. And I think, um, you know, one of the aspects along with that was that, for example, before Kata was a desktop-based tool, so you would have to download it from the internet, you would open it like a desktop application, you would work on it uh, like you would when you downloaded back in the day like PowerPoint or Microsoft and um, Zazu now is completely web-biased, it's completely uh, server-based like any good SaaS software should be. We had our reasons back then, but uh, that's a different topic. And um, yeah, ultimately we came to the conclusion like, wow, what has happened here in this company over the last few months um, and, and uh, what will happen over the next course of the next months and years is so significant that it's not just an update email. Um, this is really a significant change. And we've for a long time been not too happy with name Cutnut because again, it didn't quite fit uh, into any of what we were doing. It's quite attached. And uh, we went on a long brainstorm session about names, logos, uh, ideations, and um, ended up with Zazu, um, which in itself uh, came to be because. Well, the first premise 
that we had was we didn't want to have the word story in our editor. We believe, first of all, our vision is bigger than medium to long run. Um, and all of our competitors have somewhat of a story in their name, which we think was not the ideal way to go. And um, so we ended up with Zazu because Zazu was uh, an inspiration from the from the Lion King. You know, he's the right hand of the king. He helps the king uh, keep control over his empire and uh, delivers all the important messages. And basically, yeah, uh, the king couldn't operate his whole empire without uh, without Zazu. And um, that's how we ended up uh, with uh, with the name. And uh, that's also how we came to the rebranding a bit. Uh, really interesting. You mentioned um, the team changes. Uh, I think uh, that. Well, I suppose that uh, that could be challenging, but what was what was uh, the most challenging things about uh, you know this whole rebranding uh, and uh, restructuring of the company? Maybe back then, uh, if you look back and uh, look at it, but uh, and from uh, from the now perspective, uh, for example, you know um, maybe it was very painful back then, but now you understand. Okay, that was a a uh, good decision and vice versa. Maybe you thought it was a good decision back then and then now you understand maybe you, <laughs> you should have done something differently. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was definitely a very tough process because as I said, pretty much every component of our mm -hmm. company changed. Um, uh, we had team changes. We had also our whole tech team changed. So we worked with another agency before. Uh, we had to, well, we, 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 we separated from them, we had to find a new agency, we had to vet them, we needed to work them into the project. Um, we had all this legal structure change, you know, with new investors coming on board, there were also pooling agreements, ease of agreements that were being formed and formulated to kind of, at the end, what the goal was to simplify the whole structure, but the way there was, was, was really challenging and um, alongside with the rebranding, you know, we had like, uh, amazing designers that we had to coordinate and had to see how we will build this out this new platform we had to register this uh, name and the trademark which uh, all these processes in and themselves are or can be quite challenging already sometimes especially like the the whole like like structural change in the, in the legal side of things uh, not to mention all the notary paperwork and lawyer back and forth um, but combined all of that combined that was really like a, a huge task that, that took quite a while uh, to realize and it was uh, at the time it felt like it was way too much effort uh, like in the sense that you know like we were also restructuring our company we were building this very big um, shareholder uh, agreement um, to the contract you know we were revising all the terms we were wanting to make sure that everything is uh, set up for the future you know that there is clear and clear um, vesting schemes in place that there is a fair uh, visa pool in place you know all these things for future employees for future uh, financing rounds and um, at the time it seemed like so much effort and it was such a hassle really to coordinate with the lawyer what is possible what is not how do we deal with an old co-founder who, who you know for personal reasons wanted to exit how do we do with that chairs what do we do uh, with new incentives like how can we make sure the cap table is right and so on and so forth and um, I think it was much more work than originally anticipated um, and in the time as I mentioned it was really challenging but looking back now I'm really glad that we did it because it was so necessary to set up our company structure in the right way and make sure that we are uh, you know prepared for the future and again not just the legal side right also the tech side that we're so happy with the current team that we're having like it took us a long time to vet this agency you know obviously came through recommendations and there was a lot of um, back and forth and, and, and seeing how, how they were and how they're different from other agencies 
and same with team members. Um, but, but overall, I would say it really hit off. Um, I realized in the process that, you know, that the German law system for startups, although I heard it many times before, um, you know, I, I experienced firsthand that this can sometimes be real, a real problem and is really not that startup friendly in many, many, many areas. And um, that is something that really annoyed me, to be honest, because I think it's such a shame that, you know, uh, like it's still so difficult in Germany to, to like, climb all these legal hurdles when it comes to establishing a company or when it comes to, you know, changing structures or, or just trying to build a company in general. And um, that was something that, that really uh, stood out to me. Yeah, really interesting. I think um, many of our listeners and viewers could identify with some of those uh, challenges uh, we were facing that ourselves. And I uh, just can attest that sometimes you think, yeah, wow. It's, it's such a burden and uh, that's a mountain you, you could never climb. But then when you look back at this valley, you think, wow, it's much, much better here um, from, the, from all the perspectives, also from the team perspective. That's what we had uh, in Botox as well. And also from product perspective and so on. Um, you mentioned about like, um, you mentioned the good and the bad parts of being an entrepreneur and startup founder. Uh, I would love to dive into into this. Uh, so, what is a uh, like a, uh, misconceptions maybe that uh, you think that the public out there think um, um, the startup founder life is all about? One of the very probably very common misconceptions, you know, like is is that things are going well and everything is super easy and you know, like there's one success story after next. You know, when you don't have the full picture. I mean, I know that it's not just a startup problem if you want to call it that it's it's a more general you know way that people communicate i guess but you know like what what people on the outside see is well great you you got well in my case you know like you got forbes 30 and 30 uh, you, you got this big client you now you did this rebranding you got a financing round together well fantastic and this is all great i mean yes it is fantastic and these are the things that you know get me up in the morning but uh, there's so much beneath that so many well, at the end, so many failures, so many clients that declined, so many problems with the product, so many investors that said no, um, so many other things that we didn't get, so many crises that we had, you know, um, that obviously don't come up there. And um, I think personally, it's really important to talk about that, to kind of um, destigmatize, if that's the word, uh, this kind of, you know, like thinking of, of, of I, I think it's a general thing that, um, you know, in the US, I would say they are quite much further down the road than we are you know like it's much more open to talk about failure and about you know like uh fuck ups uh and so on and this is coming to germany you know it, it's becoming or europe generally it's becoming more um accepted you know to to struggle and to to at the end ultimately maybe even not succeed um but i think there is still so much work to be done in order to really talk about these topics because nobody is having this perfect path and everything is easy and you know they just raise millions of euros and build a big team and exit and live happily ever after you know it's it's such a struggle and the more we can talk about it the more important it gets and uh, i mean there's tons of misconceptions i think out there when it comes to startups and, and you know entrepreneurial lifestyle you know like um that that's one of the most common ones you know like there are so many other ones, you know, like what, I think what some, some people don't realize is that as an entrepreneur or as, as, yeah, as a founder, you usually tend to put yourself last, um, whether it comes to salary, whether it comes to, you know, 
free time, um, whether it comes to at the end, you know, your well-being to some degree. And that's something also that I learned in a hard way that, you know, you have to take that time for yourself, at least to some degree. Otherwise, nobody will be thanking you if you burn out. We have a bit unstable connection, sorry for that. But uh, let's maybe um, maybe dive into that uh, a little bit more and set an example. You, um, you mentioned that uh, there's a stigma around fuck-ups, that you know, only the, uh, the bright side of the story gets, uh, gets told. Well, you have a chance to uh, maybe select one of your favorite fuck-ups that you can share with the audience uh, in your journey uh, uh, that uh, maybe not maybe not the biggest one, uh, but <laughs> the one that uh, will be fun to um, to actually talk about. Yeah, I mean, tons of fuck ups. Honestly, I feel like uh, you know, as a as a as a founder, um, or in many areas, but you know, especially I think in the founder uh, founder's life, basically every day, more or less, you get thrown into cold water. Uh, you get kind of challenged with new situations that you need to solve, which again. To me, and I would say to many founders out there, that's part of the exciting uh, side of the job. You know, that's exactly what I'm doing and what I love to do. It. I love the fact that I actually have to read uh, legal contracts. I have to design them myself. You know, I have to do sales negotiations. I have to do uh, hirings. I have to maybe let people go. You know, review performances. I need to build product. I mean, obviously, I have team members, and and they're doing a much better job than I am at these things. But to a large degree, I'm still involved in these things. And um, I think that's the beautiful thing and beautiful side of it. But alongside with that comes obviously a lot of chance to fuck up uh, because oftentimes these things, although you read up and you know you ask around and you kind of try to make yourself confident in your decision, there's clearly a lot of room for error. And uh, again, for me, like first days, there's tons of, tons of fuck ups. I think, um, well, the first fuck up uh, I mentioned briefly before, you know, we, we decided to build our first product uh, as a desktop version. Uh, what a terrible decision in retrospect. Uh, it was a lot of money that we spent on building a desktop-based software only to realize down the road that it, this didn't make any sense. Um, we had our reasons. I mean, back then it was what the client wanted. They wanted to have a desktop. They had like very high security standards. They couldn't use web apps. Um, and so on, but you know, in hindsight, this was a terrible decision and cost us a lot of money. Um, another fuck up, maybe just to give you another example, and we can dive deeper into one of them if you want. Um, uh, was was uh, our legal contract, you know, and then the founders mm -hmm. structure. So, um, uh, we, for example, in the first contract that we set up, uh, we didn't take into account a proper vesting scheme. So people were more or less immediately vested and had their full. Uh, amount of, of, of uh, shares at the beginning and that you know with one founder who had to leave again for personal reasons that became a problem because um, he and like we, we agreed on the terms and everything was fine and we, we are still on very good terms but the idea was that he would give back some shares as he left keep a little bit of remaining shares and then we would be able to redistribute those shares to new potential clients or investors and uh, the, the German law uh, basically is pretty clear on this that this is more or less impossible to, to gift shares. You know, we made the mistake of thinking that this idea was so good, and so great that we couldn't tell many people about it because it would get stolen and um, it would be something that like, you know, everybody would copy because it's just so, so great. And well, spoiler alert, pretty much no idea out there is like that special that people would quit their jobs and just do it themselves uh, right off the bat. Um, and also, like this was one of the biggest problems for us because what we missed out on was all the feedback from people uh, telling us whether it actually is good or whether it's not so great. And um, 
that was one of the like the very very early stages of the company and so that idea that we had back then actually completely changed to how the product is now because at some point we then ended up, ended up obviously talking with clients when we presented the product and you know we, we talked about what it is and how it works um luckily back then we didn't have invested that much yet but um we realized okay this direction is completely wrong um you know the way the, the core of the concept of what we're doing then yeah that was good but we have to turn to another direction to really meet the uh, meet the needs of the market and um that's how then cutnut was born with this new idea where we then made the uh, subsequent fuck up of building it as a desktop software um and yeah so it, it really goes through and obviously you know uh, these fuck ups are terrible and costly and and never nice to do but at the same time well for one i think they're unavoidable um it is just how it goes if you you know if you're building your business if you have to take risks and this is what happens uh, there's always a chance that it turns south and uh, obviously you know there's a huge learning curve that comes alongside with it you know a lot of things um i i, I still believe you know i'm a strong believer that you know you probably learn the most from your mistakes i mean that's nothing new but i i really um I really can vouch for that statement because I feel like in my life I've learned a lot from from the mistakes that I've made much more than from the things I've done right because obviously the things that you do right you know um you do them it works and you kind of sign them off so in your head you're like okay I can forget it I I did it it was mm-hmm. perfect and you don't you don't have to challenge yourself that much uh in kind of doing a a postmortem if you will you know like analyzing what went wrong and um uh, yeah so so again like summarizing for me uh, tons of fuck ups whether it's legal fuck ups product fuck ups or anything else but um, i wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are now if we hadn't done these steps obviously and uh, i also think it helped me grow a lot as a person and understand a bit much more how to approach topics and how to you know um deal with these situations in general great i think um, wrapping it up uh, i think it will be very interesting to know what is uh, um, the future of Zazu. So what is uh, something, you know, what is your vision behind like uh, maybe a couple of sprints ahead, but you know, a bigger picture, what, where do you see uh, the company in a couple of, couple of years? What is, you know, the great uh, why that you are trying to solve maybe for the future? I think, you know, what, we're, what we have been seeing over the last few years and what I think we'll continue to see is this uh, shift to a more visual communication style um it has happened on social media much much faster than on any other website platforms you know we see it now more and more with, with well with stories as a format emerging you know it's visual first um uh, everything becomes more well uh, uh, like snackable and bit sized you know like attention span decreases everything has to be fast clickable and uh easily consumable and has to be just very visual and um i think in this trend like, like we believe that this trend will continue on for quite some time um not necessarily with stories which is again one of the reasons why we didn't want the name stories in our uh, uh company name um but we believe that this visual trend will go on and what our vision at the end is you know to to uh, is to help companies visualize the web and visualize content and that goes as i said beyond stories so that means any kind of um immersive interactive uh, content that can be created and distributed um of course most notably for the open web so for all websites newsletters sms um chats whatever it may be but of course also for social media and so 
I would say in the short to midterm, the goal is rather focused, you know, on providing the best experience when it comes to stories and making sure that, you know, this interactivity is something that, that companies and, and users can really benefit from and really link the two much closer together. Um, and in the yeah long run, it is definitely, you know, helping to power a, a more visual and dynamic web experience uh, across different formats. And that's where we as Azu are uh, headed and where we're uh, trying to, to, to help and inspire um, businesses to create beautiful designs easily. Exciting, very cool. Philip, thank you so much for your time, for your interview, uh, and for so many insights into the uh, life of a startup. Where can people find you? Uh, maybe to follow up, uh, uh, ask questions and so on and so forth. No, um, yeah, my pleasure. I mean, it's been, it's been great talking. Um, probably the easiest would be via LinkedIn. Um, if you Google my name, that should be the easiest one. Otherwise, of course, if you go through the website, you can always reach us there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always open to talk. So um, if there's any questions or any people um, that struggle or have, have, have doubts, um, I'm happy to talk because again, like uh, I've experienced many of them as well, and I will continue to uh, as this as this inevitable as a founder. And um, yeah, I think it's always valuable to share and to to connect and exchange. Perfect, Philip. Thank you so much. It was it was a pleasure. Thank you.